A New Perspective explores breakthrough strategies, techniques, and technologies with leading industry experts to optimize the human mind, body, and spirit. A better you enriches the community around you and progressively renews the world. We are a community dedicated to that impact. Welcome to A New Perspective. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to A New Perspective. Joining me today is Dr. Philip Blair. Uh, let me read you this bio. I'm so lucky to have this gentleman here talking about CBD and the effects of our endocannabinoid system. But Dr. Philip Blair is a retired colonel from the U.S. Army. He's a family physician and a consultant in disease management up in the Pacific Northwest. He graduated from West Point in 1972, attended the University of Miami School of Medicine, where he trained as an Army family physician, served as a combat physician in the first Gulf War, uh, after medical assignments in three continents in 26 years in uniform, he retired from the Army as a colonel, by the way, which is pretty dang awesome, and has been consulting on complex disease management since 2000. Since 2014, Dr. Blair has been studying, treating, and lecturing about the human body's natural endocannabinoid system, or ECS as we're going to call it here. ECS disorders appear to be the root cause of many chronic medical problems and inflammation. His goal is to restore health and performance by enhancing the ECS using diet, exercise, appropriate medications, and non-psychoactive therapies. He is the clinical advisor for Elixinol LLC and ProHealth Advisor, Inc. Dr. Blair, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Joe, it's a pleasure to be with you and talk to your audience. So you are a rare breed. I have been down the path of uh, working with a lot of different uh, doctors to help us formulate our products. And we have people on kind of the Eastern and Western side of medicine. We've got some herbalists and naturopathic doctors that have been really tied into plant-based medicine for a long time. We've got you know, the, the Western medicine pharmaceutical side of doctors that have been helping us out with, with clinically studied kind of double-blind placebo-controlled studies, which we don't see as much of in the East. It's more of a a long-term study, um, and here you are. You're, you're this kind of rare bird where in a medical community that doesn't seem to, that argues a lot on different things and there's different views on cannabis, uh, here you are as somebody who I would say has come from a very conservative background, West Point graduate, served in our armed forces. It doesn't get too much more conservative than from a, a medical practice. And here you are kind of hanging out in this plant-based world here that's showing all these herbal incredible benefits. How, how did you get here? Well, after I left the Army, I started doing disease management. And I found that a lot of the, the standard and conventional therapy that we had was not meeting the bill and, and helping people get better and ultimately resolve many of the problems. We were continuing down the, the same pathway to disease, destruction, and impairment. And I was looking for another solution. And one of those solutions came to me uh, and when I learned about uh, cannabidiol. I started doing the research. I was amazed at the entire science uh, that was behind uh, cannabidiol and the endocannabinoid system. And it really opened up a whole new dimension of physiology that I hadn't realized and many, many possibilities. And then looking further at it, I realized that it didn't have any significant adverse effects or toxicity. Hard to believe, but in years, in uh, the last four and a half years that I've been working with it, I haven't seen anything adverse or significant uh, that's come from it, but all of these uh, different benefits. I used it for myself uh, to uh, find out how I could improve my performance, used it in my family, as well as my neighbors and my friends, and then starting using it uh, for clients uh, internationally um, in um, many different countries of the world, South Africa, Australia, uh, New Zealand, um, across the U.S., and I've had the opportunity to talk with somebody in just about every state of the country and try to help them uh, deal with some of their medical problems using cannabidiol. And I have to say that um, 75 to 80 percent of the time, we're getting a major benefit that comes from cannabidiol without any significant adverse effects. So it's been a real privilege for me to work in this area and explore it and find another dimension of how we can change people's lives, transform their lives using this valuable substance that really bridges uh, between um, the conventional medicine on one hand and the herbalist on the other hand, bringing those two together using this endocannabinoid system and this valuable plant substance. 
Yeah, that's got to be a great thing as a clinician to be able to prescribe something without the side effects, right? I think we've all seen those commercials on TV of, you know, here, take this pill, and then two other symptoms popped up after that that seemed to be worse than the thing you took it for. Or, you know, we see the, if you took this pill, call this number, or the law firm of, of whoever and whoever. Uh, but that's got to be a pretty good thing to be, able to be able to be on the pharmaceutical side, but be able to offer something without those drawbacks or side effects to it. Well, I don't even have to prescribe it. You know, it doesn't. It's not in the in the, the pharmacy. You don't you don't write a prescription for it. You just make recommendations in the product because it's legal in every state and twenty. Well, actually, for over forty countries, you can get it online or you can get it from the stores and you can start using it just like you would any valuable food product, whether it's echinacea or, or it's um, uh, using um, MCT oil right. or coconut oil. I mean, all of these things, uh, and CBD uh, offers those food qualities as well as the herbal qualities that can help in so many different ways. For people that don't know the difference between cannabidiol, CBD, I guess is we're going to call it, and and where we're deriving that, right, is because is there's marijuana, which is a different thing than hemp. And you can actually derive CBD from both of those things, and depending on how you derive it, I guess would determine if it's legal or not. Um, can you speak to, number one, I mean, just, just the legalities of it, not getting high. And then I have a couple questions I'm curious about. For the people that are afraid of being high or losing brain cells or all those fears that a lot of us were taught, um, is that something that we have to worry about with this, or, or how do you see that? Well, first off, I'd like to explain it fairly simply. It's not uh, ex exquisitely accurate in terms of the the uh, the technical aspects, but very simply for your audience to understand, essentially we've got one plant, it's cannabis, and cannabis is broken down into two types of plants. You have marijuana on one side and you have hemp on the other side. So the marijuana contains THC and that makes you high. The uh, hemp contains CBD predominantly and that's what makes you healthy. And I think if you keep it in that simple approach, then you have a, a better understanding of what's going on. By definition, hemp is defined as having less than 0.3% THC. So there's no significant amount of uh, THC that's in hemp. Whereas in, um, if we're talking about uh, marijuana, then there's all variations of the amount of THC that's contained in that. Uh, and so you get quite a bit of difference uh, in those products. The, the laws have been set up uh, right now to say that in, in many states, uh, then the, anything from marijuana is restricted and any of the products that come from marijuana are restricted. Uh, that's not exactly true uh, for CBD and using hemp. So if you use hemp and extract it uh, based uh, on the uh, 2014 Farm Act, then those products uh, were intended to be legal uh, for everybody to use and available um, in every state. And that's currently the way it is, is those products are available and they are legal and they are bought and sold in those states. Every once in a while, one of the state's uh, justice departments figures that uh, they want to uh, follow a different uh, direction or they're interpreting the law differently. Hopefully, the uh, Farm Act of 2018 will clarify that and finalize the fact that uh, CBD and hemp products are legal and can be sold and exchanged across state lines in uh, everywhere. Now, uh, with respect to any of the products that come from hemp, there's not enough THC in them to make you high. Uh, and that's not going to impair your cognitive ability, your functional ability whatsoever. In fact, for cannabidiol, it's actually the opposite effect, where we see uh, a cognitive improvement and refinement, uh, recovery, uh, and clarity of mind function as well as visual function um, and muscular performance. So you get all of these benefits that come along with CBD without any detractors uh, cognitively or physically. Uh, and uh, those are the major advantages uh, for cannabidiol without causing any impairment whatsoever. So I'm kind of curious because I, so I, I know you're a big proponent of talking about the endocannabinoid system in the body. And so our body has this natural ECS, this endocannabinoid system, 
and CBD interacts with our receptors, I think our CB1, CB2 receptors, but also THC, I think, also has some medicinal values as well. Um, I'm curious. I, I definitely want to talk about the way that our body receives CBD and these, these different receptors and how it works in our body. But on the THC side, just out of my own curiosity, I know that it has some medicinal value. Are you a proponent of people using that in a medical way, or do you steer clear of that whole thing? Or what's your thoughts on the THC side as well? Well, clearly THC has value, and that's been well documented, whether it's a tumor or a calming, uh, relaxing effect, uh, and as an anti-nauseant. There's other areas that THC has been valuable for a number of different conditions. And, and I don't deny that those have effect. The problem is that it's restrictive, and for many people, it does cause impairment. Um, even in dementia, that has a role, but the problem, once again, is how much uh, or impairment might you cause uh, versus um, the benefit. So it's a benefit risk. There's also uh, addiction potential uh, working with THC, and many people want to avoid that. Most of the people that I talk to have a major medical problem and they really want to avoid any type of impairment. And so they're channeling down the, the way to look at how they can improve or get back to normal um, in, their, in their bodies and in their functioning. And CBD seems to be the best for that. So 95% of my patients respond very well, uh, will respond to CBD. But there's a few patients who do need to have some THC. Now, I don't have access to THC, and I don't have any specific recommendations. The problem is that there is a very little uh, certification and uh, clarification of exactly what those products contain uh, on the market at the present time. And except for some states and some locales, you're not sure of exactly what you're getting, even in the way of uh, contamination. Uh, by pesticides on heavy metals. We just don't know what's in those at the present time until we get some sort of standardized testing that's happening. On the other hand, with respect to cannabidiol, we're seeing uh, certification and um, analyses by third-party individuals that are verifying these products are, in fact, uh, without any pesticides or any other organic um, material in them that could cause any type of harm no biologics for any type of infection, and uh, absent of any of the heavy metals or, or um, uh, toxicity that could come from it. So you, you've got a very clean product coming from a high-quality uh, cannabidiol that's extracted from organically grown um, hemp products uh, or, and a crop, and you, it can be really reliable and consistent as what I look for in terms of um, treating a patient, I want them to have the best probability of getting success with the product that I use. I don't want to have anybody turned off by having a bad experience or not getting the results that they're looking for that I can expect from the products that I use. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's kind of a give and take there with the FDA regulating things where on the one hand, when it is regulated, you can make sure that all the standards are in place and all the, those proper checks and balances are there. But on the flip side, it's very limiting for the rest of the other companies to come in and be able to bring a product to market when you have to go through so many of the red tape and things like that. Uh, so a third-party lab-tested product, I think, is something that everybody should make sure they see the efficaciousness and make sure they're not using pesticides and herbicides and all the crazy stuff on that ends up in half our stuff. You, you know, it's, it's interesting because... My wife and I both came to CBD in totally different ways. Uh, I was one of those crazy kids. I was always, you know, uh, goofing off in school. Loved, loved learning, but I just had the hardest time ever sitting still and focusing on something. And so I, I have never been officially diagnosed, but all of my closest friends say, yeah, Joe, you definitely have ADD. And uh, my wife is on to the other end of the spectrum. She gets anxiety. Um, and it's so funny, you know, I somebody who has never experienced ADD before, the best way I can explain it is you either are just like drinking out of a fire hose stream of consciousness where it's like one thought and another thought and then it just, you're having all this different thoughts going on or you are so laser myopically focused on what you're doing that everything else you're just totally oblivious to 
And that's what ADD is like. You know, a, a lot of actually entrepreneurs are, are it can be a strength in some ways and a total weakness in other ones. But my wife experiences anxiety, and I have never really dealt with anxiety. And the way she describes it is this feeling of like impending doom that you can't put your finger on what's happening or what exactly is wrong or you're, it's not even a, a specific thought that you're nervous or worried about. It's just this overarching feeling of, oh, I just like it. And you can point almost to a point in a place in your body, like she'll feel it in her chest sometimes or a leg. And so it's interesting because we both came to CBD for completely different reasons and yet both had such an amazing experience from it. And so I'm sure you in your practice, right, in dealing with so many different people with so many different issues, I'm sure that's nothing new for you. But how did you, I mean, w at what point in your practice did this start becoming something that you would prescribe or something that you would start giving to people? And what have you noticed as far as just the different range of experiences people are having with it? Well, Joe, I think you point out one of the key factors about cannabidiol is that it's an adaptogen. It goes to and does the right thing in the right situation. It's not a matter of doing only one thing. It's a multi-trick pony in what it can do. And so that it addressed your attention deficit. At the same time, it addressed her anxiety issues. And it, it what it did was it brought it back to normal. It wasn't a matter of it one or overcorrecting to another area is a matter of bringing them back to the normal area. And that's the wonderful part uh, that CBD offers uh, for so many health conditions. And why I feel comfortable in recommending CBD is that I know that it's going to be a Boy Scout in whatever situation that is going to occur, that it's going to bring people back to normal rather than making them extreme in one way or another. And that goes along uh, with the, the idea and the understanding that it doesn't have any significant adverse effects and, and it helps people move along uh, the improvement of their entire life so that they're just plain normal. You know, for people who are healthy and vigorous, uh, they may be normal. They may not see a whole lot of difference in using CBD. But when you get outside of that normal area, then bringing back to normal is a huge change and what a great relief for so many types of problems. That's, anyway, in my well, just to say, like, I mean, I, one of the things I've said like, in giving it to my mom or giving it to other people is say, hey, man, you should try this. You know, feeling normal is not actually like a huge revolutionary thing. A lot of times, you know, you hand it to somebody like, oh, I just kind of feel normal. <laughs> but it's, I mean, that's exactly what you're looking to feel. You should be feeling that way. But I'm, I'm very curious because just related to my own cognitive performance, I've, I've really been into the nootropic industry and like trying to look at different products to, to increase focus, things like that, just because of my own things I've been dealing with. And I've noticed in researching CBD that they've used it for a lot of different neuro conditions, right? Whether like I, I saw a thing on concussion protocol for NFL players. Um, they noticed that if, maybe you can speak to this, but if you got a concussion and you had CBD in your system, it almost acted like a little helmet for the neurons in your brain. Um, and I've seen some other studies with, with just neurodegeneration kind of disease, Alzheimer's and dementia and things like that. Have, have you seen anything specifically related to like cognitive performance around what CBD does? Oh, yes. I, I think it's really quite profound that it can bring you back to your full awareness. I was working with a veteran uh, yesterday who had her first experience with CBD and complained of brain fog uh, ever since she'd had uh, some significant uh, accidents that had occurred. Uh, and as a result of CBD, uh, she was exclaiming consistently, said, I can't believe how clear my mind is working, how clear I'm able to process. Uh, and that was that was within the first five minutes of using a high quality CBD, the liposomal uh, product that comes from Elixinol. It just had immediate response. And I, I like to observe people within those five, first five minutes at least because I see these profound changes uh, that occur and I can point out some of them. You know, in, in other cases, uh, I have worked with dementia patients and I've found that in nine out of 10 cases, I've been able to significantly improve uh, dementia where people become more aware, uh, cognizant, uh, able to function, make decisions and, and converse in much uh, more uh, normal fashion. So it has incredible potential uh, for recovery 
but also, as you mentioned, acting as that helmet for the brain and protecting the brain from the damage that occurs, whether it's a traumatic brain injury from a major injury or blast or even um, concussions uh, that occur. You know, a lot of what happens, Joe, is that there is a body's reaction to these insults, and that reaction is worse than the actual uh, injury that occurs initially. Sure. And so you get an inflammatory response or vascular changes that actually worsen uh, the area of the brain and cause damage. What CBD does is actually protect those neurons uh, from the damage and destruction that would normally occur and dampen the inflammation so that you're not getting that chronic inflammation uh, that would go on that would lead to the destruction of other nerves. And that occurs in the brain and it occurs in other nerves as well. So it's funny, you mentioned you treated a veteran yesterday. You know, there's a huge, huge thing in a veteran community with dealing with PTSD and higher rates of depression and it's, it's a huge thing in our veteran community, obviously having served, I'm sure it's something that you've seen rise significantly since your days in the service. It seems like it's been growing more and more. Um, specifically related to not, I mean, I guess you have the physical deterioration of the brain, but it's like those, you know, depression and anxiety, these are things that it's hard to pinpoint exactly where in the brain it's going wrong, and yet it does seem to have this incredible effect for depression and anxiety and those things. What have you seen with like maybe helping out with PTSD or helping out with some of these emotional challenges that people have been dealing with? Well, Joe, you're exactly right. Uh, what happens a lot of times is you get a brain injury or, or any type of trauma and that induces an inflammatory response. Even depression has been closely located or associated with inflammation within the brain, people who haven't even had trauma. So if you can use a substance that penetrates the blood-brain barrier, gets to the brain, gets to those neurons, and calms that area down and reduces inflammation, then you're gonna correct a lot of that depression. So I've seen that happen consistently using CBD where it penetrates, it reverses depression very, rapidly, but it doesn't cause any adverse interaction with antidepressant drugs that people commonly take. So they can be taken safely together, and but they, the CBD will affect them immediately so that they respond uh, very quickly and they recover, um, improving their mood within five minutes of a, an adequate dose, and then going on to an anti, well, to, to being uh, joyful once again, and to have that depression lifting so that they're able to function. And in those cases, I suggest that people get back with their doctor and uh, start uh, considering removing uh, the antidepressants that they're using. That You know, Joe, these antidepressants can take uh, four or six weeks in order to get to a level of effectiveness. But with CBD, it's happening within days of sure. a use of it from, a, um, from the proper dose. Well, and I've, and I've seen some of these antidepressants and antipsychotic medications, the side effects are suicidal thoughts and being more depressed, which is, I mean, it's not a laughing matter at all. It's terrifying, but there's so many people that are desperately crying out for help that they get on these pharmaceuticals. And then you're seeing sometimes that exacerbate the problem. And it's amazing to have a plant-based, you know, in, in plant-based product that we as a species have been using for maybe as long as we've cultivated any plant. Uh, and to see that it has none of those side effects and helps out with that. But you mentioned reducing inflammation. I know that, I, I read a study from uh, Harvard Medical School talking about the unifying theory of all disease. And they were saying that the four horsemen of the medical apocalypse were all kind of riding the same steed, and that was inflammation. Um, and so I, I, I've been really into just natural remedies. Um, I've, I've, I've learned recently that just getting the proper amount of sleep if you actually can sleep for a full seven hours every night, it's a, it's a great thing to reduce inflammation. I don't know if you saw there was a, a study in Finland on the sauna, uh, using the sauna for for ex ex multiple times a week, and four times a week in the study, radically reduced inflammation. Um, but how do you see inflammation playing a role in disease in general, and how do you see CBD, I guess, as you say, calming the body down so that it can go out there and do its own job of healing? Well, first, I'd like to... I agree that um, that inflammation is, seems to be the, the main trigger for a lot of the actions that take place within the body. You know, inflammation in of itself is not bad. We need that acute response uh, to different stresses that we come under in order to change our bodies in the right way. 
you know, building muscle requires a certain amount of inflammation. The sure. problem is that when it gets sustained and you get into chronic levels of inflammation, that leads to damage and destruction and impairment. So an acute phase seems to be appropriate. Somehow the body gets off track and goes into these chronic phases. Even after viral infections and, and bacterial infections, we can set up for some of these chronic uh, things. For instance, Lyme disease, uh, the, the organism uh, that uh, initiates that leads, uh, ends up uh, stimulating this inflammatory condition that can lead to uh, years of pain um, afterwards. Um, the same thing can be true uh, for different types of injury, so traumatic brain injury. Um, and that may be part of the problem related to PTSD. I do want to focus uh, specifically on PTSD because I have seen quite uh, profound improvements using cannabidiol from a whole plant source. So you're getting a full blend of all of the terpenes, um, the cannabinoids, um, in a balanced way and helping people recover rather than using uh, some of the isolated CBD. Now, in the PTSD, uh, certainly there's a complex disorder that's arranged. At least one portion of it has to do with inflammation, but it's much more complicated in, than that. Using CBD, you're able to uh, block the pathways of that, that broken record that occurs where you're reliving these same memories over and over. And at the other, other side of that, you want to extinguish get rid of some of the bad memories and get them out of your system so that you're not remembering those negative emotions as well as firing the cortisol and the fight or flight type of the symptoms that go on. Right. It turns out that CBD is able to affect all of those pathways uh, and regulate them to get people back to normal very, very quickly. To the point, uh, Joe, in my experience is I see remissions using cannabidiol uh, for PTSD. So really quite profound in, in the ability uh, for this substance to correct for um, both um, PTSD and some of these chronic um, uh, stresses that we encounter in our brains uh, from those types of injuries, as well as correcting for uh, many of those chronic inflammations that we encounter from either injuries or other types of disease. There's a, uh, I, I, I read a quote from Hippocrates, the father of medicine. All the doctors take the Hippocratic Oath when they, when they become a doctor. Uh, and he has the quote that says, all disease begins in the gut. And so I know we have more neural connections in our gut than we do, I think, in the rest of our body. And it's, uh, it's pretty fascinating, right, where, where, you know, there's a lot of rise of, of autoimmune disorders and there's a big rise of different conditions that people are seeming to have now. And, and a lot of it um, is, is traced back to we have a lot less uh, gut bacteria than we did 50 years ago. Our kind of gut microbiome is, is off. How does CBD work specifically inside of the gut to reduce inflammation? Or have you noticed something as far as helping out with autoimmune disorders or things like that? Well, that's a lot to unpack, uh, Joe. Um, you know, first off, um, uh, when we're talking about the, the endocannabinoid system, CBD has some connections to the endocannabinoid system, but overall its purpose and its function seems to be to raise the level of the endocannabinoid system so that it's functioning more normally rather than being uh, very effective at any of the one receptors that are there. Sure. So uh, as uh, in that particular concept that we talked about earlier where um, cannabidiol is really normalizing the body, the same thing is happening for the endocannabinoid system, which has a very high rates of dysfunction within a number of chronic diseases, whether that's migraine or fibromyalgia or um, irritable uh, bowel syndrome. And so with respect to the gut, very interesting phenomena that occur with CBD where um, we have more neurotransmitters in the gut uh, than anywhere else, even more than what's in the brain. And CBD is regulating a lot of those neurotransmitters to really balance those out. So you're either reducing the number of contractions or the intensity of contractions and uh, regulating the, the peristalsis or the, the actions of the gut but also modulating those pain networks uh, that deliver pain um, from the gut, so knowing what's going on. In addition, CBD has some very special effects on the lining of the gut that really normalizes um, the barrier um, and boosts up the tight junctions 
that keep uh, other materials and particles from entering into the body. Was that now, you're describing does, like leaky gut syndrome? Are you helping out with exactly, leaky gut? Yeah, exactly. And so, with you, you have a, a high population of of uh, disordered bacteria, bacteria that are not necessarily our friends. They signal the body, and they and um and, and CBD actually has some signaling properties on those particular bacteria. But I, I want you to understand there's new evidence that's pointing out that those bacteria are also producing signals that stimulate the vagus nerve and actually deliver messages uh, to the brain uh, through that nerve. And so you, you are getting an interplay. And what we're seeing is that um, the endocannabinoid system is this interface between the gut uh, and our, our external environment or our deeply internal environment in terms of the microbiome delivering messages to the brain uh, through this nerve and this hormonal system that we call the endocannabinoid system. So the vagus nerve connects from what I understand your brain stem all the way down into your gut. So it's kind of the highway that travels between your gut and your brain. And so I guess if that would become inflamed, you'd have all kinds of, that would probably lead to depression and issues with your anxiety and things like that, I would imagine. Well, well. I don't think it's so much the inflammation of the vagus nerve. Is a, the vagus nerve is the, the conduit. It is the telephone line that is connecting the two areas, the gut to the brain. And this is a perfect example of that wonderful uh, connection that we're recognizing uh, between the gut and the brain uh, that we really never associated uh, in the past, and we can see evidence for that as it evolves, looking at the endocannabinoid system in particular. So, so uh, let's speak to that because there is, it seems like it's gotten so much worse since I was a kid, right? When I, I didn't, we didn't have diabetes on the rise like it is now. We didn't have autoimmune disease like it is now. We didn't have coronary artery disease like it is now. We didn't have even the the mental degeneration of of dementia and, and Alzheimer's to the degree that we have seem to have now. Um, what is happening? Why are we seeing such an insane rise of all of these? I think it's one in two American adults have a chronic disease now. One in three are either diabetic or pre-diabetic. I mean, obviously diet, I'm sure, plays a giant role. Sedentary lifestyle plays a giant role. But is there, I mean, anything, I mean, is, what in your experience of dealing with so many different patients, what have you noticed have been, what's, what's changed? Well, Joe, there's probably uh, multiple factors that are involved with this deterioration uh, that we're experiencing as a culture. Um, well, it's actually a global culture that, that we're encountering. And part of it has to do with the food supply that we're using and the food selections that we're, we're using. You know, back um, 150 years ago, uh, even as, as recently as 100 years ago, we were eating high-fat, uh, low-carbohydrate types of foods. And we, uh, and we did not have the level of disease, as you point out, um, uh, earlier on. Now, in 1980s, we changed over to, a, uh, to decide that all fat was bad, and we tried to eliminate all fat from the diet. Um, and the, the advocacy for a low-carb, a, a low-fat type of diet that has not been successful. In fact, what we see is uh, when, when that was instituted, we have uh, basically a rocket ship going off, uh, looking at the curve where uh, you're seeing an epidemic of obesity, followed by an epidemic of diabetes, followed uh, probably not too long in the future by an epidemic of uh, dementia uh, that is uh, considered as type 3 diabetes uh, by some individuals. So um, at least diet has a portion of that, but maybe it's related to some of the the pesticides uh, and the chemicals that are being used um, on these particular plants. There's been suggestion uh, a using that one of the chemical substances that we've used, uh, Roundup, uh, actually Glyphosate. has- Glyphosate. Yes, there's a huge Monsanto loss that I don't know if you saw just a little bit ago, over $800 million yeah. was rewarded and there's more lawsuits coming, it's so crazy. But yeah, I, when I travel abroad, I've done a fair amount of traveling around the world, and we don't see the levels of obesity around in other countries that we see here. And you don't have the same levels of diabetes, and you don't have these same crazy diseases. And, and I think you're probably right. I think there is a huge correlation between the chemicals and I'm sure the pesticides that we add to these foods 
that that play that huge impact. Well, I don't I don't agree with you, Joe. I think you're seeing uh, the epidemics of uh, diabetes and obesity in many nations of the world, third world nations. In fact, one country really? has contacted me, uh, an island in Polynesia that is having a terrible epidemic of obesity and diabetes right now, as an incorporation because they've incorporated large amounts of rice. Now, we usually uh -huh. consider rice as to be a healthy food, but uh, if you're taking it in quantity and you're not getting the activity levels that you need to have, then it can lead to uh, uh, obesity and, uh, correspondingly, uh, diabetes. Now, Joe, you also pointed out something else. I mean, it's multifactorial, so that it is exercise. We need to be getting the proper, the proper amount of exercise. We need to get a, be getting the proper sleep uh, as right. well. And, um, and things like these, some of these chemicals uh, as a result of, of uh, some of the GMO uh, modifications uh, for these foods, allowing for those chemicals um, not to uh, damage them, um, then, uh, then those chemicals may be able to insert themselves into our DNA and provide, uh, induce some sort of modification so that we're actually getting epigenetic changes over time um, and that that's leading to a greater d disease state. Now, one of the problems that I'm seeing that I've noticed quite a bit is this anxiety issue that's going on. There's so much anxiety in the world, and you can say, well, perhaps it's the news, uh, perhaps um, it's a stimulation sure, some from of that. screens that we're watching. Um, there's many different factors, but part sure. of the problem may be uh, dietary-related as well. Uh, there's just a host of different problems uh, that come up that could cause uh, so many of the diseases and illnesses that we're facing, and nobody knows for sure uh, unless we can sort those things out. And unfortunately, nobody's going to agree. Everybody seems to have their bias, um, and uh, they're not willing to uh, accept or look at some of the other alternatives. And I don't think that's a scientific approach. I think that we as physicians need to be scientists. We need to look at the possibilities and theories of different approaches and, and uh, consider some of the other options uh, that might be out there or, or some of the other explanations for the diseases as well as treatments. For instance, using cannabidiol in uh, one of the first-line agents rather than the last-line agent uh, for uh, chronic illnesses, whether that's um, PTSD, uh, addiction, or, or chronic pain. On the addiction note, I, I read actually that it, you know, it's so funny. There's when I was a kid, the argument against the cannabis thing was, oh, you're going to get addicted and all this stuff. But they've actually shown a lot that it actually helps reduce your dependence on opioids and helps you actually get off of, of addictive drugs like an opiate. No question about it. I've seen uh, countless numbers of patients who come to me because of, of chronic pain looking for a solution, a better solution, rather than using the opioids that have all of those side effects associated with that really don't help people get better. They just maintain them in a, in a stable way or uh, maintain, control some of the pain. But then they're, they're faced uh, with the side effects of, of constipation, um, a mental clouding, inability to really function, uh, and um, continuing weakness uh, with that. So it's not something to continue. On the other hand, if you're using cannabidiol, you can take care of the analgesia that's involved uh, that you need uh, for relief. You can improve the mobility. You can reduce the uh, chances uh, and the withdrawal symptoms as you come down mm -hmm. off of uh, the opioids. And um, hopefully you can get away from the opioids completely without having any toxic or ill effect. You know, one of the things that we thought um, that the opioids uh, would be helpful for um, for people on a chronic basis, we found just the opposite to be true, that it actually seems to potentiate some of uh, the chronic uh, illnesses uh, that we were trying to take care of. Sure. You know, it's funny. So you mentioned there's so many different uses for as an adaptogen for people that have some type of an illness or they're dealing with some type of an ailment. Um, what about for healthy people? You know, f I'm, I'm a fairly healthy guy. The only thing I can th I can really think of as I've gotten older is when I was a, when I was a kid, I could sleep anywhere on a pile of rocks. I could curl up on the floor and just like crash anywhere. And as I've gotten older, I've noticed, you know, I don't know if it's the stress of the day or working or whatever, but I, you know, I'm I, my body wakes up early. When I was a teenager, I sleep past every alarm clock, and now I'm up before my phone goes off. 
But I have noticed with CBD, I sleep so good and I sleep deeply. I, it's that, you know, that type of, uh, you know, wake up refreshed where you actually felt like you slept good all night, not like the type of sleep where you, you know, you drank the night before and you feel like you didn't really get any sleep at all. But how, how, do you, how have you seen it function for healthy people and then specifically with sleep? I don't know what you've noticed in your practice with that. Oh, yeah. An improvement in sleep uh, with CBD is really quite profound. Now, I don't tell people to use it specifically for sleep. It's one of the side benefits that come along with it. And I, more recently, I've been looking at some of the sleep studies that have gone along with using CBD, and I've seen uh, at least a doubling of the amount of deep sleep that people have, and in wow. some cases, uh, <clears throat> tripling and quadrupling of the amount of sleep. <clears throat> one of the things that I've seen that's been particularly interesting is uh, as a result of uh, jet lag or having to maybe it would be if you're on shift work where you're losing a significant amount of sleep, how do you recover from that? Now, using CBD in that uh, when you are in that recovery mode, it will help you get that deep sleep that you need to get that recovery so you're back on your feet and operational within a day rather than waiting a week to recover from a number of different time zones. Sure. And then and looking at specifically the, um, uh, the sleep uh, profiles, you see this deep sleep in as much as 70% uh, of the uh, sleep time is spent in deep sleep. So really quite profound and I think it has, has a, an enormous value. Awesome. You know, the other side of the coin is if you're traveling in, uh, as I've done a number of times, um, as many as uh, 13 or 14 hours on the plane, using CBD help with that fatigue that you develop um, while you're in route can help you to restore t your cognitive function and your performance function. Um, and, and at the same time, enhance your sleep quality so you make a fast recovery. So I don't think there's anything better for jet lag than using cannabidiol. But I want to do. I want to go on to uh, talk about healthy people because I think that's really important. Uh, Joe, you know, you are healthy, but you've already told me that you have a little bit of attention uh, deficit disorder. Sure. Uh, that you have, you, you tend to lose focus. So, what do we do now if we have these little uh, quirks uh, in our environment? Um, or, okay, or hey, take a cup of coffee or, or in order to get um, some caffeine to get stimulated. Or, hey, I'm having trouble. I've got aches and pains in my shoulder. Uh, I'm going to use a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory sure. or use Tylenol. And right. then at, at nighttime, well, you might be using a sleep aid or some manipulation in order to help you sleep. Well, those are all things that cannabidiol can do. Um, even to the point of you have a burn or a bite, you can put cannabidiol just onto that area, and you can get relief within a matter of seconds uh, of, uh, of any pain or itching or burning that you might experience and enhance the healing effects. So it, this should be a primary uh, substance for your medicine cabinet in order to take care of all of those other things. But wait, there's more. There's more in the way of performance. You know, you already talked about it, Joe, in terms of your ability to, to really focus and get things done and, sure. and be cognitively functional. But have you also noticed the physical attributes the ability to hold your breath, that, that you can maintain anaerobic type of fitness like heavy weightlifting or sprints, and you can do that longer and then recover without any significant of pain. So there's a number that, of really positive things that can occur using cannabidiol just for our overall well-being, even if you're the healthiest person in the world. That's actually, I just had a pretty intense workout today, and that was, I was like, man, I'm crushing it. And uh, yeah, so so even if somebody is sitting there listening right now and they're thinking, and I have no issues, I am fit as a fiddle, I sleep like a baby, I don't have any joint pain, I I don't have any, I'm cognitive focused, tuned in all day, I have no anxiety. What would you say to somebody who would would consider themselves 100% healthy, fit as a fiddle? How could they benefit from using CBD on a regular basis? Well, I don't know that they necessarily could, but as we talked about, everybody's going to run into bumps or bruises, and they're going to encounter situations that life is not going to be smooth all the time, and they're going to use one of these other substances, whether it's aspirin or Tylenol or Motrin, something like that, and they're going to use a, an antibiotic on their skin for an abrasion or a burn. 
there's no need to suffer with that. Or sure. If you use those things, you can use cannabidiol in order to achieve those. Or if you're if you're that healthy, then you don't need to use CBD. It's not a necessity in any case at all. Really, what I like to I'm focusing on people who have an impairment, who have a difficulty, and are experiencing adverse effects from the medications, or they want a more natural approach to avoid a pharmaceutical industry and and some of the the adverse effects that can come from that. So, what about preventative? Uh, you know, for people who are healthy, they, they don't need they don't need to use it but it may turn into an advantage when they're in a particular stressful situation. Sure. And I guess, I mean, if, if I'm thinking about it, if, you know, in today's modern lifestyle, right, where we, t we have more stresses today just from being plugged into technology like we are, our fight or flight is, is activated a lot of the time. I would wonder even as a preventative measure of just helping reduce inflammation on a regular basis, preserving joints or helping preserve those neurons in your brain just so you can protect those neurons on a regular basis. I, I would imagine there's probably no downside to, to taking a positive antioxidant approach to it. And, and I know it, it does function as an antioxidant, right? And, and, and maybe you can speak to how antioxidants oh, yeah. work in the Absolutely. body. But I know it is so a it powerful works in a number of different ways as an antioxidant. It's very, very effective. Um, probably much better than vitamin E and vitamin C. So it's uh, better than all of those substances. Uh, and uh, it, um, it is uh, very effective at penetrating all the tissues of the body. So it's got a wonderful uh, ability as an anti-inflammatory. But, you know, you, you've also pointed out that, um, that those, uh, it's a, has a preventative quality to it. So if you want to protect yourself uh, from injury, in fact, there was an interesting study done in Colorado where they looked at uh, people who had had major trauma who were admitted to an intensive care unit, and they were looking at survival, and they found the people who were using cannabis, who detected some degree of cannabis in their system, actually uh, had uh, almost uh, four times as much survival uh, as the people who did not have uh, any of uh, cannabis in them. So there's a protective effect that Four goes on, times. and that's, there's something to be said for a prophylactic, uh, using it when you're not ill, but you might uh, be facing that situation. Look at an athlete who might be uh, using it, uh, playing football or using a contact sport, the risk of concussion. CBD might uh, prevent uh, some of the, the problems that come from that concussion uh, and uh, prevent some of the chronic injuries, uh, the CTE, the chronic uh, traumatic encephalitis that can occur in, in many individuals that we're finding more and more out about after brain biopsy. Yeah, anybody I would think that's in at risk of getting a concussion, whether it's a football player or a boxer or anybody where you're running the risk of getting your head hit, it would be like part of my standard protocol for sure to be on a, on a consistent dose. Let's talk. I, well, I want to like to get it into soldiers who are at risk in combat situations and have that the protection there for for them uh, who are very very uh, prone uh, to um, getting a, in a combat injury and a blast or a traumatic brain or any other type of injury. But CBD could be protective, and we could get a much higher. Uh, success rate and a recovery rate for those individuals uh, rather than uh, losing many of them on the battlefield. Totally. I, I want to ask you about some of the, the, the incurable diseases. Now, I want to temper this, I guess, with saying, you know, our body is the thing that heals us, right? There is no cure for cancer, but there are bodies. Our body has the ability to heal our body. Um, what have you seen with using CBD to assist the body, let me make sure I say this right, in healing itself from some of these incurable diseases, right? I mean, we've seen it used as a, as a major cancer treatment. Epilepsy, the videos are astounding to what people are experiencing with when they're going through an epileptic seizure, things like that. Uh, MS, what have you seen in your own practice with the uncurable, incurable diseases and how CBD is helping the body be able to kind of not to say cure, but do pretty damn close, maybe? You know, that's the most exciting area that I have the opportunity to work with. It's a real privilege to be able to help people with orphan diseases, things that uh, they've not responded to, or they have uh, gone to the full limit of any type of medical therapy, and they haven't improved uh, significantly or to, the where, to where they appear, they feel that they are uh, functional. Um, using CBD, I've been able to help people make that progress, to make those changes, and also protect them from, 
further deterioration. You know, there's clear evidence that uh, CBD is protective, at least in animal studies, uh, for protecting against neurodegenerative conditions. And so that is um, dementia uh, from Alzheimer's disease, or it may be Parkinson's, or even um, uh, several other different conditions that we encounter. All of these things will can respond and can be helped, uh, and the, the consequences uh, prevented by using cannabidiol. We already talked about the PTSD. Otherwise, we don't really have a good treatment for PTSD, and this is an effective way, very simple to use. But I'm looking for other diseases that it can be very effective for. We know that it has been effective for different types of epilepsy, and and all all comers seem to have major benefit. Chronic pain syndromes are responding beautifully uh, to cannabidiol, or at least reducing the amount of uh, other drugs that have been required. I'm always looking for some rare and exotic diseases that can be helped by cannabidiol, exploring some of the mechanisms that CBD offers. You know, earlier on, Joe, we, we, you mentioned that uh, the connections that um, CBD has on the endocannabinoid system, but there I've already counted over 160 other mechanisms outside of the endocannabinoid system where it's signaling on the nuclear uh, receptors, what is called the PPAR receptors. It's actually signaling uh, within the mitochondria, um, and it's uh, signaling on some of the other microstructures that are present. It's changing the metabolism of the individual cells. So you have a host of activities that are going on and connectivity within the body. Uh, and and then the primary thing that I, I like to emphasize is, of course, the role for the endocannabinoid, uh, the lifting of the endocannabinoid system by cannabidiol. You also mentioned earlier about those things like sleep and exercise and diet. Those are key elements in, in restoring and balancing the endocannabinoid system as well. Sure. So I see cannabidiol as just being one of those tools to restore the body and to restore the balance in these um, endocannabinoid deficiency disorders. And then going a step further for some of the orphan diseases in correcting or compensating from, for some of the deficiencies that may end up or come from some of the genetic problems or uh, from uh, some dysfunction that's occurring at the synaptic area. All of these areas uh, are glorious opportunities for cannabidiol to do good without having any significant risk of any harm or injury. One of the things I think we were talking about offline was how it CBD will, will interact with healthy cells in a particular way, and then it will act in a completely different way with cancer cells. And I find that absolutely, like, mind-blowing. Um, but can you, can you I mean, I, I'm going to butcher it if I try to say it, but what were you saying about how that functions with, how it functions differently with different cells in the body? Yeah, cannabidiol is an extraordinary paradox. It it does seems to do opposite things um, for different cell types and in different situations. A perfect example is sleep. If you take CBD, I, I described to you as traveling for 14 hours in an aircraft, it kept me awake, it kept me alert and processing. But at the same time, it enhanced sleep. So that's, that's the first of the paradox. The second paradox right. is how CBD protects normal cells. And so that it, it keeps them from being injured or the inflammatory signals is damaging them or leading to the death of the cells. But at the same time, if you're working on cancer cells, it actually induces inflammation within those cells and leads to those cell type of suicides. But that's not the only cell type. You know, if we have inflammation in an area, how do you get rid of those inflammatory cells? CBD actually stimulates the death of some of those inflammatory cells to take them out of the circulation, to remove them from the area and reduce the number of inflammatory cytokines that are being re released. And that's one of the other mechanisms uh, that CBD has in reducing uh, inflammation uh, for a region of the body. And it makes it allowable that it can be used topically as well as orally and systemically. So it turns your bad cells into lemmings that just go kill themselves when they, they go dive, dive off the proverbial cliff, and your healthy cells, it protects. That is like one of the coolest things I've ever heard. Um, let's, let's dive into, and, and I want to get to this, because this is you know, very relevant to where we are culturally today. Um, there's a debate. There's a healthy debate going on right now in Congress and around you know, who, do we, I guess the fight is for if we should be in control of our own 
medicinal, you know, being able to prescribe this to ourselves and serve it for ourselves. You know, I tend to err on the side of, you know, we long before the last hundred years of the demonization of this crop uh, for a bunch of reasons that, that I don't think have anything to do with the medical side of things. Um, you know, we have been cultivating this plant for 10,000 years. I've seen some things that, that, that argue that it may be the first plant we ever cultivated. And there seems to be this big debate now on, you know, should it fall? I mean, right now, cannabis falls under a Schedule One controlled substance. If it falls under the, the THC side, uh, which shows it has no medicinal qualities to it, right? Which is interesting because we have things like fentanyl and, and cocaine that are Schedule Two that apparently do have some medicinal values. I don't I don't know how that works, but you know how how what's I, what's your I'm sure you have the finger on the pulse of what's going on you know politically and what's happening around that. How do you how do you see things shaking up right now in the uh, the political sphere? Well, uh, the politics, I don't have my finger on the pulse of politics. It's hard to decipher what's going on. Seems We're like it changes very polarized the at the present time. Yeah. So, so as, as far as, you know, there, there's been a big move in the pharmaceutical industry. I don't know if you've seen a company, GW Pharmaceuticals. They have they've come out now with a synthetic CBD. Um, and so I, I'm sure that the natural, just full-spectrum substance is going to have a much better effect on the body without the side effects that we see in other things. Um, I don't, I'm just as purely, I, I conjecture, I have no idea. But uh, have, have you seen anything as far as the pharmaceutical push to try to move into this space or, or how, how has that affected, I guess, your view on it? Well, if we look at the pharmaceutical approach, uh, I think they're looking for equal um, or uh, performance by the nutraceutical area where they have the same standards uh, that we hold uh, the pharmaceuticals if they're being used as a drug. I think that they're only asking that if we're going to require double-blind controlled studies uh, for a number of years and in order to establish safety and efficacy that the same standards should be used for substances like cannabidiol. And I, I, don't, I don't think that's unreasonable. I, I think the unreasonable part may be that if you have a totally benign substance that's never been shown to cause any harm or toxicity, that it be restricted um, in any particular way. I think the only restriction that needs to be there is to maintain the quality of the product that should be there. Uh, in the past, with our nutraceuticals, uh, there have been imports of products that have been contaminated, and they've not been very closely monitored. I think uh, ensuring the safety uh, of those particular products is very, very important. Uh, but sure. overall, I, I, I think that uh, the products that come from hemp uh, should be absolutely legal in, any, in all different ways, no matter really what the product is that come from them, um, perhaps the exception of something uh, that if, uh, if a product is, is generated that has some toxicity, then that may need to be restricted. But otherwise, I think those products should be able to be used as a food product uh, or a nutraceutical and not be um, have uh, rigid uh, exclusions or exceptions such as scheduling um, as a Schedule 1 or uh, even a Schedule 5 that, that they've put the uh, epidiolex uh, substance. Sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, especially because you have things like methamphetamines or fentanyl or cocaine that where they're not Schedule One. Schedule One, for those people that don't realize, I mean, it has to have no medicinal value, and then on the, the subsequent schedules, it can have some but still be controlled. And I, I totally understand the argument for wanting efficacious testing and making sure that you're not getting a bad batch and it has to go through the certain you know checks and balances. But to have hey a Joe, substance. let's talk about um, isolate. Um, you mentioned that yeah. Epidiolex uh, does have isolated CBD in it. And what we've seen in some studies are showing that uh, those isolate performances about uh, is sometimes is less than half of the performance that you get from a biologically derived uh, full spectrum type of uh, product coming from a whole plant. And that's what I'm seeing with the quality products in my experience is that uh, they're much more benign and they're much more effective. And one study showed 31% uh, effectiveness uh, for uh, an isolate CBD for epilepsy like Epidiolex. And on the other hand, if you're using a, a full biologically derived substance, uh, CBD, uh, you're getting 71%. So 
pretty significant um, improvements, uh, more than double uh, using a biologically derived, that it contains the uh, other um, cannabinoids, the, the um, uh, terpenes, uh, um, the uh, tannins, um, the flavonoids, all the other substances, part of the entourage that really makes it more effective and makes it more benign, reducing the chances of adverse effects. Yeah, we're in an interesting relationship with, with Big Pharma, right, where there is a lot of money in disease management, not, not as much in potentially curing a disease. <laughs> Once somebody is cured, right, there's not a whole lot of more money to make off of them, but in maintaining a disease, there seems to be a whole lot. And I want to read this quote. This was fascinating. This is just did a survey of, of the states that have passed medicinal marijuana laws. And it, this is interesting. It says, in medical marijuana states, the average doctor prescribed 265 fewer antidepressants each year, 486 fewer doses of seizure medication, 541 fewer anti-nausea doses, 562 fewer doses of anti-anxiety medication, but most strikingly, strikingly, the typical physician in medical marijuana state prescribed 1,826 fewer doses of painkillers in a given year. As a, as a physician... That's really, really impressive. And I had, had the opportunity within the state of uh, Washington and Oregon to introduce CBD as an alternate uh, and herbal substances for a self-insured business. And in that process, we've saved over a half a million dollars for just uh, about 26 patients who had complicated conditions using CBD and substituting for some of these high-cost uh, drugs that are being used, whether it's uh, being used for pain or for inflammation for autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis or psoriasis. So $500,000 in cost avoidance as a result of substituting for CBD in these situations. Very, very cost effective. Is that cost and avoidance? With great outcomes and no toxicity. Is that cost avoidance for the patient or for the clinic, the clinicians? Uh, for the um, business, it's a self-insured business. And so out of their profit, they pay for the health insurance. Oh, wow. So any money that's preserved, preserves the profits, but it also preserves quite a bit of money for the individual patients who have co-pays and deductibles that they have to ante up on a, a yearly basis. So it's saving uh, quite a bit for them, but it's also saving for the, the companies so that they can continue to offer the insurance uh, for individuals, uh, a broad insurance at, at low cost uh, to make sure that all family is uh, cared for uh, with health insurance. That's incredible. So you're not worried as a physician if you're prescribing substantially less medications and not billing insurance as much. You're not worried about maybe eating into your own business as far as helping too many people get healthy or not seeing as many patients here? Well, not me. I, you know, I'm most interested in, in helping people and sure. making sure that they get better. And I think most physicians are exactly that way, too. Uh, they, they have to run a business. Uh, if, if they don't have as many appointments in one area, no doubt they can shift to another area and emphasize that and bring in patients from another type of problem. I don't think there's ever going to be a lack of patients in a particular area. It's a matter of the physicians broadening their scope so that they would include more people with different problems. Definitely. All right, let me, let me wrap it up here. I want to ask you just forward-looking statements. I want to do the thing that everybody hates to do is try to predict the future, which none of us are ever going to get right. But, you know, as you see, there, there's definitely a, a turning of the tide, I feel like, is there's this shift culturally where we've seen – you know, it started probably a handful of years ago with certain states passing medical marijuana laws. And then it seems like CBD recently has just hit the market by storm and there's this buzz going on about what it's doing. And it certainly wasn't that way even just a handful of years ago. As you look forward and you see the future of where this market is going, you know, what, uh, what stands out to you? Do you see this being something that expands beyond our borders? And, and uh, how do you see this influencing, I guess, us, you know, in the next decade rather? CBD is expanding all over the world. I'm actually working with two independent countries who are interested in bringing CBD as a primary treatment modality for their countries to address problems like diabetes and, and obesity. I think it has a major, major role uh, as well as addressing some of the addiction problems. Uh, I, they, everybody seems to be interested in it, and I, I'm hearing more and more uh, uh, a questions and inquiries and more acceptance by the public who were formerly uh, reticent 
um, and uh, concerned about the marijuana connection, realizing that this has real potential. Uh, and it very much could change the entire uh, trajectory of healthcare for the world in uh, coming years. Dr. Blair, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. And just, I have learned so much. I know anybody that's been able to, to absorb this, probably have to listen to it a couple times to, to really take this in, but absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here and share this with us. And uh, I hope to have you back here shortly. Joe, it's been a pleasure. And um, I, I'm glad uh, to get this information out and share it with the populace and, and uh, emphasize how uh, benign and how helpful CBD can be for a broad range of conditions. If you're using a, a quality product uh, that, uh, um, that can be effective. And, and I think they uh, oftentimes people need to have uh, some coaching in how to use uh, CBD so not to uh, feel like uh, they um, are not getting the results that their expectations are there. Definitely. Well, I know they'll get a lot of coaching out of this, so I appreciate it and uh, I look forward to having you back here. Pleasure to be with you, Joe.